Welcome to No Matter What. I'm Hannah Seymour, and this podcast is all about being who God created you to be no matter what. No matter your past, your current circumstances, no matter your relationship status, your career journey, no matter what life throws at you. Each episode, I invite a friend to talk about what that actually looks like, to be who God created you to be no matter what. Y'all, I am so excited today to share with you my, really one of my best friend's moms, but a woman who has had a significant impact on my life, Barbara Rainey. Barbara, thank you for being on No Matter What today. Oh, thanks, Hannah. This is such a treat. I feel like I'm in your presence, even though we're in different states, but it's just a delight to be with you in this format. Well, I always love talking to you. I always love reading your blogs and your books, and they're truly a treasure to me. And so I'm just so thrilled that I get to share you with the No Matter What family today. So for those of you who may not know Barbara Rainey yet, Barbara and her husband, Dennis, founded a incredible ministry called Family Life back in 1976, which is just mind-blowing to me. And they have spoken all over the world. Beyond ago. <laughs> <laughs> They've spoken all over the world at Weekend to Remember Marriage Conferences and on the Family Life Today radio. My parents, Michael and Cindy Easley, joined the Family Life team, I'm sure, thanks to Dennis and Barbara pulling them in. And um, so they were part of that. So I grew up having my parents go away on weekends to speak. So I've known about Dennis and Barbara my whole life. They have written mm-hmm. books and their relationship with my parents have had absolutely a direct impact on my life, the way that their marriage is, the way that they have parented the four of their kids. And Barbara has written all of these books with Dennis. She's written several herself. Um, One today that we're going to talk about called My Heart Ever His, which I just love. And what else am I missing, Barbara? I mean, Ever Thine Home is a collection that she has of these beautiful products for your home that really bring Christ in the center of your home. I own several (laughs) things in my house, Christmas decorations, celebration decorations, things for Thanksgiving. Um, We could just go on and on forever. (laughs) I don't know how you did it all and raised six children. Oh, and that, I guess, is another huge part. She has six adult children, 25 grandchildren now. Oh, six. 26. Yeah. Laura's new baby. Oh, my goodness. In the yeah. back of my heart ever his, it says 24. And so I, but I yeah. bet Lincoln wasn't born yet. Oh my goodness. So 26 yeah. grandkids. Yeah, I know. Yeah. And Hannah and Laura are just dear friends and lived together before they were both married. And it was just That's a happy, sweet. happy thing for me to watch these two girls be roommates and share a lot of life together. And now they're still besties with their husbands right. and kiddos right. so that's, that's right. fun too it is so that laura really is fun. barbara's youngest daughter and we lived together for quite a while and yep still one of my very yeah. best friends she was in my wedding i was in hers so yeah, grateful for that's her so, sweet. so grateful so for sweet. her yeah Okay, well, Barbara, you know that No Matter What is really about talking to different folks who have faced a Mm -hmm. hardship in their life that has begged questions like, will you be who God has created you to be no matter what? Or will you still serve him no matter what? Or Mm -hmm. even if this situation never plays out like you want it to, because that happens a lot in life, will you still place your hope and trust in Christ? So that's where I want to start with you. Can you tell us about a time when you walked through a specific season of hardship that really challenged your faith and walk with the Lord? I would love to do that. And I just want to start by saying that I love this theme. I love this, the title of your podcast and the the direction that you're taking it, because I I think this is such a real part of our walk with Christ Mm -hmm. is that we Mm -hmm. will choose to follow him no matter what. Mm -hmm. And when I think about a particular season or a particular story, it's interesting because what I actually think of is I think of multiples. I don't think of one. I think of these different times throughout my life where God has allowed me to get in a hard spot. And I remember one of the first ones was after our first baby was born. And I remember thinking, oh my gosh, I can't do this. I'm overwhelmed. I don't think I'm going to survive. She's not going to survive. Of course we did. And then there was another moment after I had our fourth. And I remember that was a real crisis of faith, trying to figure out who was I now that I was surrounded with four little kids and 
I just, again, I was overwhelmed and lost. I felt very lost, um, not knowing who I was and what was my identity and what did God want me to do. And, and so the thing I think that I would say in summarizing those, and then I'll mention briefly a recent season, but I think what God has taught me is that in those seasons of suffering or those seasons of hardship or loss, whatever word you want to put on them, but when life isn't happening as we would like for it to happen is really what it amounts to. He is giving us an opportunity to see him as he is and to know him more fully because we we see God the way we want to see him. Yep. And when we're in those places that are not comfortable, we're in those places that we don't know what to do, like the entire year of 2020, <laughs> he is saying, I'm here. Will you come to me? Will you trust me? Will you let me show you who I am and have a relationship with me? Because our relationship with God is so often on our own terms and we don't realize how much we are trying to make God be who we want him to be till we kind of feel like the rug's been pulled out from underneath us and we go, oh, okay. And we look up and so I just think that it's, it's really an important perspective that God wants us to have about him and about our relationship with him that we resist having because we don't like those times. We don't like seasons when we don't know what to do. Um, We want to be confident. We want to be in charge. We want to go forward with our agenda and um, God gently, lovingly, kindly, graciously lets us be in places where we don't know what to do next. And that's when we can begin to see him and really seeing him and knowing him as he is, is the source of life. I mean, it's everything. I I wouldn't trade my relationship with God today for anything in spite of what it's cost me, in spite of the, the hardship of getting here, because it's just so worth it in the end. Um, And I think too many believers, too many Christians, too many people, stop in mid-process they they don't follow through to the end and one of my favorite verses it's kind of an interesting one got lots of them though but one of them is the the phrase in the book of job which i used to avoid reading because it felt like the plague (laughs) (laughs) but um but job said yet i will trust thee yet i will trust you and i think that's a that's just such a summary of what I've learned, no matter what it is, I will trust you. No matter how hard, I will trust you. And that's really the bottom line. So how did you, in these different seasons, hold on to the truth that God is who he says he is and not the ways that you had decided he was? I think it really is because I knew I was born again. I knew that Jesus died for me. I knew that I knew what the truth was. And even though I didn't feel it, I knew what was true. And, and I knew that what I saw with my eyes and the other options that I could have chosen, I just knew they were going to be empty. And so I just knew that there was really no other option for me. Mm-hmm. A song that I remembered, I actually posted about it on Instagram recently. It's an old, old hymn and I had forgotten about it and because nobody sings it anymore. That it says, I have decided to follow Jesus, no turning back, no turning back. And that's really what it boils down to. I decided in college when someone told me about the gospel and told me that I could become a Christian, that that's what I wanted. And there is no turning back. And I think knowing that there's no turning back and that all the other alternatives are empty is what keeps me hanging on no matter what. So set up for those who haven't gotten your book and haven't had the privilege of reading the intro, what was going on in your life that kind of was the catalyst for writing this book? Well, three years ago, Dennis and I were in the process of transitioning from 40 years of leading family life to post-leading family life. Uh, we're calling it transitioning because we it's moving from one thing to another thing. He and I are not real fond of the word retirement because that conjures up images of sitting in a rocking chair, which I love sitting in rocking chairs, actually, but (laughs) it's not what I want to do with my life. So we were in the middle of that season. So we had been working really hard to get things lined up, to make everything 
is good in good shape to have a really great handoff. It's kind of like preparing for a wedding. You know, there's so much work to be done and you're, you're moving toward that one day. And then in that one day you make the handoff, Mm -hmm. the parents make the handoff of the bride to the groom, and then you walk away and they start their life together. And that's kind of a good summary of the experience. We were working hard for a few years to get ready for this handoff. And then in December of 2017, so not quite three years yet, we officially made the handoff and we've been now living on the other side of that for three years. And it's been harder than I expected. And it has nothing to do with the couple we handed it off to, with the couple who are leading family life. We love them. They are wonderful people. We just are so confident that God set that up, just like we've been confident in all of our kids when they got married, that this was the right person. Mm -hmm. But it doesn't mean it's always smooth. It doesn't mean it's always easy. And so what we have been experiencing for the last three years is just the sort of an avalanche, I guess, of changes because we we did something for four years and you can't just stop doing something that you've done for all of your life and not have some adjustments. Mm-hmm. Um, the same is true in The Empty Nest. I wrote a book with my friend Susan Yates about The Empty Nest, and that's a very similar kind yeah. of a transition too. If you, I mean, you raise kids for 18 years, 20 years, 25 years, depending on how many you have. And when they all leave, it's a significant change. It's a significant um, adjustment to make. And it takes many women um, up to a year or longer to adjust to being, who am I now without the kids? And that's really another way of looking at what uh, Dennis and I have experienced. Who are we now as a couple? Who are we now as individuals now that we are not leading family life. And so in the midst of that season of loss, of change, of adjustment, I started doing a lot of writing and a lot of writing of um, journaling and um, writing some of my prayers and my thoughts to God. And that's, it resulted in a book, which was not my intention. I had no no well, reading these, I, I mean, <laughs> reading these, I can't ever imagine you wrote these thinking, I should print these someday. You know? oh, I, I mean, you even, oh my gosh. you even say that in the intro, like, I didn't want it. I've never wanted to journal because what if someone read it? <laughs> yes, exactly. Yeah. And, and then, I sort of feel that way sometimes when I open it and I think, Ooh, I can't believe I shared that. <laughs> well, I think that question and season and grappling with who are we now? I, I mean, I think that's so relevant for so many seasons of life. I mean, I, I was texting with my sister-in-law yesterday about she's feeling that right now. And she's mm-hmm. got, she has everything from an elementary schooler to middle schoolers and high schoolers. But she they recently moved and she used to have two part-time jobs and now she's home full-time. And again, it's like, okay, Lord, what's my purpose? And is it yeah. you know, really to be a taxi driver right now? And if that's, you know, and I mean, obviously she... She knows that being the mom, but, but it was kind of this joke of like, sure, sure. maybe I'm not picking up any other part-time jobs right now. Maybe this is my part-time maybe job is, is a taxi yeah. driver. Yeah. And we were laughing because I'm like, it's a good reminder for me and good perspective because though she's 13 years ahead of me in this whole mothering role, mm-hmm. I, I still grapple with that today. And I started mm-hmm. this whole podcast out of that wrestling of going, well, okay, I've had these two babies and who am I now? And what, Mm -hmm. you know, what does that mean, Lord? And all these things that I was doing, what needs to go, what, you know, trying to learn new priorities. And so anyway, I think the lie that a lot of us believe is that we don't, you know, we go through that, who, who am I now? And maybe college and then, you know, maybe never Mm -hmm. again. (laughs) And I think in reality, it's anytime there's significant change and transition. That's right. We experience it again. Yeah, it's a cycle. And I don't think we understand that, you know, in the early seasons of life. I think we think we're going to conquer and manage and master and that we're not going to go through these cycles. But I've lived long enough to to be able to look back and say, yeah, there are lots of cycles and your sister-in-law is in one. And I think what she's asking and what I have asked, and I think what you're saying you've asked. I think as women, we just want to know, okay, God, is this what you have for me? And are you with me in it? Mm -hmm. Because if it's just driving carpool and I'm not going to have any 
second jobs or any other things outside of driving my kids and making lunches and doing laundry. Mm -hmm. Okay. I can do that. I just need to know that this is what it is. I can be okay with that because I know that if it is what you have for me in this season, I can relax in that. And I think it's that not knowing Mm -hmm. that is hard for us in that time when we don't know for sure, when we're transitioning from having two part-time jobs to now not having one. So it's that gap in between where we're going, okay, am I reading you right? Am I hearing you? Are you still with me? And we know he is, but we don't want to get our wires crossed. So how do we know? Because you're right. I desperately want to make sure (laughs) that I am where God wants, because that's the only place I want to be, right? I don't want to be doing anything that's not, that he doesn't have for me. So, but practically speaking, how do we know? Yeah. Well, sometimes I think we know. I think, Mm -hmm. you know, the thing about God is, is that he doesn't do the same thing with everybody. He doesn't repeat himself very often. And so we look for those things that we saw him do with our friend and Mm -hmm. he's not going to do that with me. Mm -hmm. He's not going to do that with you. (laughs) And so I think really it comes down to taking what I do know to be true and banking on that, reminding myself of that. And then walking forward by faith. So I remind myself, you are with me. You are with me. Thank you that you're with me. You're here. You've led me to this place. And I know you're with me. And if you want me to do something else, something different, I know you're going to show me. And it's the essence of walking by faith, which we resist walking by faith. We'd much rather walk by sight. We'd much rather God make it, you know, write it on the wall clear. But he wants us to walk by faith and to trust that he is with us and that he is leading and I have you where I want you. And we, I resist that. I shouldn't say just we, I, I resist that. I, I want, because like you just said, I want to know that I am doing exactly what he wants me to do because I don't want to do anything else. That's right. I really do think walking by faith is the answer. It's reminding ourselves of what we know to be true and hanging on to that truth. As you say, no matter what. That's good. In the intro to My Heart Ever His, you say, winter came again recently for me. And you did not mean the actual weather outside, but a season (laughs) of life. And you said, Mm -hmm. not like other winters, for God doesn't copy and paste, but works perfectly and individually for what I uniquely need to know and experience of him. Mm -hmm. That took my breath away when I read that the first time. Would you elaborate a little more about that for us? Well, I think, Hannah, it's, I think what I was saying was what we were just talking about. I'd long to kind of have a roadmap that I know what's going to happen next. And I know where God's going to take me. And I set expectations on myself. I remember when we started this new season on the other side of family life, thinking, oh, you know, three, six months, we'll be on the other side of this and we'll be good. We know what we're doing and we're off and running. Well, it's three years and we, I still feel like we're living in a fog and that's just not comfortable. It's not what I want. And so when I describe the season of winter as something that comes in and settles, and I, I think I even used the word fog, it just changes what I thought God was like. And, um, but he wants me to stay here. And he wants me to trust him that this is, he has designed this for me because he knows me and he knows what I need. And I, I love that about God is that because we're the ones who want to be like everybody else. We're the ones that, you know, we dress like each other. We do the things each other do. We, we, you know, we take our cues from each other so that we feel like we fit in. Mm -hmm. And I don't think there's anything wrong with that because we're human, but I think we forget that God has made each of us individually and uniquely. And so the work that he's going to do in my life is going to be tailored for me. The work he's doing in your life is going to be tailored for you. And that's why it's so important that we look to him and not to each other, because then I'm going to be more receptive to what he is trying to say to me. That's unique to me. Um, And God, works with us all individually. We, we want him to work what we do and we don't, (laughs) we want him to work like he works in our friends, because then I know what to expect. That's right. But we really don't want to be carbon copies of one another when it comes right down to it. Mm -hmm. So it's a, it's a struggle. Yeah. So when we, well, really when you're living in a fog, tell us about what do your conversations look like with God? 
during this time? <laughs> well, if you get in my book, you will see that my conversations with God are all over the place. <laughs> <laughs> they are all over the place. And, um, you know, there I go from not knowing what to say to him to yesterday, there were some hard things that happened. And I was I prayed about 50 times throughout the day. Oh, Jesus, help me. Just help me. I don't even know what to say specifically yep. that I need. I just know I need help. Yep. And then at other times, in some of these prayers in the book, I wrote actually out sort of the process of my thinking. And so some of my prayers are more involved, but it just kind of depends. And the, the great thing about God is that he is okay with all of that. I'm not okay with all of that. I think it needs to be a little bit more proper, a little more ordered, a yeah. little more organized and a little, maybe not quite so desperate. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Well, it seemed like through reading your intro that maybe this season of fog and the way that you approached the throne of God in conversation was different than perhaps other seasons of mm -hmm. fog prior. Would you say that's a fair assessment? No, that is, that's accurate. And what do you think, what was the journey for you or how did you get from maybe not, maybe being fearful of approaching the throne in your raw, honest human form mm -hmm. versus now? Well, the, the way that I journeyed there was that um, I started reading through the Psalms and of course I've read the Psalms off and on through the years, but I had never read them quite like I read them this time. Uh, Dennis and I both have a Psalter that is published by Crossway Publishing and I will give them a shout out because the Crossway devotional Psalter is amazing. And what makes it unique is that it's the book of Psalms with a short little devotion after each one. And there's lots of space in the margins for hmm. writing. And I found myself actually doing some journaling in the Psalter itself because I'm a little hesitant to write too much in my Bible. <laughs> I've also had a journal and I would write more extensively in the journal, but I just began to see the pattern in David and the other authors' lives of an honesty with God that I think I was afraid to go there. I knew God knew what I was thinking and feeling, but to actually put words to it, I don't think I had ever done it. Well, I'm confident. I've never done it like that before in my life. And so one of my prayers that's in the book I wrote, it's titled Disappointing with God. I've been disappointed with God a lot, but yeah. I've never actually used those words. Yeah, because that's kind of scary to say out loud. Yeah. And I never use those words sort of to his face. You know, we say <laughs> things, we feel things in our hearts, but we don't say them to someone's face. Mm -hmm. well, that's kind of the way I am with God. I feel things about him, but I don't ever say it to yeah. his face. Yeah. And in this season of life, though, I realized that David said some pretty gritty, honest things yeah. to God's face in the Psalms. And I thought, well, OK, maybe maybe that's not just for me to read, but it's also a pattern for me to pray. And I began to write some of these experiences down as I was living it and feeling it. And this is what I feel, God, this is what's happening. I feel like you don't care. I feel like you're not here. I feel like you're not involved. And what am I supposed to do with that? But one of the things that was so instructive to me about reading through the Psalms, and I read through them probably, I'm on my fifth or sixth time reading from beginning to end in now in year three. So I've, I've read them a lot, is that most all of the Psalms end with praising God at the end. Right. So it may That's just right. be one line. Yep. It may be a chorus or a phrase of several lines at the end, but David and the other psalmists will pour out their hearts. They will complain. They will say, God, I wish you would get even with these people. Why don't you, why don't you retaliate against them? I mean, on and on. And then he says at the end, yet will I praise you. That's right. I will give thanks. And so I thought, okay, that's a pattern. Mm -hmm. That's a pattern that I can copy. I can be, I can be gut real with God. I can complain. I can tell him that I don't like the way this is happening. I don't like what these people are saying. I don't like what they're doing. I don't like the choices and how it's impacting us. Yep. But yet I will praise you. Mm. And so it was, it was not just learning a new way of praying. It was also very therapeutic and healing to be able to have that kind of transparency with God who loves me. And I know he loves me, but 
to actually do that, to say those things to his face, so to speak, and to have him love me anyway was, I would say, transformative Mm. in my relationship with him because I felt more received and welcomed and loved because I knew I had told him exactly how I felt and he was okay with that. Mm. Mm. And when you can say something like that to a human, to a human, say in a marriage or with your best friend, and they can take that and absorb that and not think less of you, not love you less, we feel more comfortable, right? And so to be able to do that with God, it's even, it's even better. Wow. And I think it's really needed. I think we, we play pretend way too much with God. Mm. And um, this has been good for me to be, to set aside the pretending. I wouldn't have said that I was either prior to all of this. I wouldn't have Mm. said I was pretending. I would have said I was real. And I think I probably was as much as I could have been. Yeah. If that makes sense. Yeah, it does. Hey friends, I want to interrupt this conversation just for a second to tell you about my 25 day Bible book reading plans. In the fall of 2019, I was coming out of a fog after having two boys under two, and I was struggling to find a new rhythm of morning Bible study and solitude. And I thought maybe I could just choose one book of the Bible and try to read and study that one book as much as possible for one month. No intense workbooks, no schedules, nothing I had to follow, just the goal of reading and studying that one book as much as I was able, whether it was five minutes a day or 60 minutes a day. Well, fast forward, that ended up turning into this plan that I've started creating called the 25 Days In. I have a 25 Days in Genesis, Mark, Revelation, the letters of John, and Esther. And all it is is a guide to help you spend time in God's Word and think about how it applies to your life today this month. It matters. If you would spend just a little bit of intentional time every day in God's word, it will make a radical difference in your life. But this plan is flexible. There's no judgment. It might take you 50 days to get through a 25 day plan. And that is okay. You can learn more at my website, hannahseymour.com. My friend and really one of my favorite Bible teachers, Christy McClelland, who was on season two of No Matter What, she, I think she even says this in that episode, she says the Bible is God's word given to man, but the Mm -hmm. Psalms are God's word given to man to give back to God. That's a good one. Yeah, I love that has really, I mean, clearly I'm quoting it from that. It's really stuck with me in seeing the Psalms in that lens. And I think a lot of us know that, but it still is scary for us. I mean, it's just, Mm -hmm. it's scary to be fully raw and vulnerable and honest with God, because I think we are afraid that he will not respond well. And, Mm -hmm. and that I think, you know, then shows, well, our, our theology of God is it's exactly. <laughs> yeah, it's a little flawed. Yeah. <laughs> just a little flawed. Yeah, but that's see, right. that's the thing that makes God so, I mean, it just makes me love him more and mm. worship him more and be so in awe because it, he doesn't think like we think. Yeah. And it just, Thank you God. know, I, I see him so much more as a loving heavenly father in the last three years, mm. because I've mm. seen that side of him that he loves me anyway. He loves me when I bring him my scribble crayon things that are terrible, but he loves them anyway, just like I used to love my kids scribble drawings and hung them on the fridge. And I think God is happy, truly happy when I'm real with him because he, I think he says, okay, now you're getting there. Yeah. Um, Yeah. You're trying and you're getting there. So it's been a, it's been a great experience to take the risk of this kind of reality and this kind of, honesty and mm-hmm. and find that it really has been therapeutic and healing. Mm-hmm. Has there been a particular psalm or even another Bible verse or passage in the Bible that you really clung to during this season? Well, other than mentioning Job, another one that is has been one of my favorites, even through all the seasons of parenting years is Habakkuk 3. Mm-hmm. And I think it's, I'm, I'm not real good with numbers, so I'm never sure I'm getting the ver- I'll the look it up and put addresses it is right. in the show notes. <laughs> <laughs> but I have, I have it memorized and it's not perfectly memorized either, but it's the, the end of Habakkuk chapter 3, where he says, though the fig tree should not blossom though there be no fruit on the vine, 
and he goes through no cattle in the stalls, no produce in the fields. He goes through all these things that there will be none of. And then he says, yet I will rejoice in God, my savior. I will exalt him. And that's just been another one that has been an anchor for me. I hung on to that all through the teenage years. I, I had it written up and on my steering wheel of my car for a long, long time, because it just was good for me to see those words and to remember that even if everything should fail, Hmm. because Facket was talking about losing everything, that that's a complete economic uh, meltdown to to lose everything. Yet, well, I trust you. And so it just has been a good reminder to me through these years that no matter how terrible circumstances look or feel, I will trust him. So, you know, we've said before, this podcast is all about no matter what, really three things. Mm -hmm. How do I keep my hope fixed on God no matter what? How do I continue to trust and serve him no matter what? And how do I be who God created me to be no matter what? So that last one, when you're in a season where you're asking, Lord, okay, who am I now? What do you have for me now? What are practical steps that you took in trying to be who God created Barbara Rainey to be on this earth during the season of life when you don't really know? Mm-hmm. Or do you know, and and it's just the details? <laughs> well, it makes me remember um, one of Elizabeth Elliot's quotes, and I hope that all your listeners know who Elizabeth Elliot is because I've heard that there are people now who don't know who she was. And that just breaks my heart. (laughs) She was a a mentor to me, not in person because I only met her a couple of times, but I read every word she wrote. One of the things that she always said when people would ask questions like this, or how do I get through this loss or whatever, she would say, do the next thing. And I, I think that the, the pattern is come to God in the morning or during, all throughout your day, even better, and say, okay, Lord, what do you have for me today? I, I invite you to lead me. I invite you to fill me with your spirit. I invite you to be my guide. Um, I've prayed that, that phrase, please guide me a lot in the last three mm-hmm. years. And then you do what you have to do. You do the laundry. You do yeah. the carpool. You make dinner, you go to the grocery store, you do those things. And what I'm trying, what I'm asking God to teach me to do in this season is as I do that pattern day after day, Hmm. I'm asking him, help me to be aware of you, help me to, because I get so wrapped up in, I mean, I went to the grocery store yesterday and I was so focused on getting what I needed to get and getting out and getting home because we were having a friend over for dinner that I wasn't thinking about God while I was in the grocery store. And I don't want to do that. I mean, Mm. he's okay with that, I think, but I think he would like it if I did. Yeah. And I would like it too. I would like to be able to just be more conversant every minute of every day. And, um, Barbara, I'm definitely not thinking about God when I'm at the grocery store, (laughs) (laughs) especially if my children are with me. (laughs) I'm so task driven. It drives me nuts. But anyway, it's a part of how he made me. It's a part of who I am. And he knows that. And he's okay with that. He's more yeah. okay with that than I am. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So um, I, I think doing the next thing is very important for us as women because we have a lot of things that need to be done. And God knows that. And I think he's okay with that. And, um, and when you have kids around, it's really hard to be hearing God's voice because you've got so many children's voices in your ear. Mm-hmm. And I remember that. And I remember wishing that I had some silence, <laughs> <laughs> some silent moments. But it's funny that you bring up kids in silence. I just, I mean, maybe two days ago, we we almost always have music playing in our house. And some of it is like the kids music that they like. And a lot of times it's worship music. That's something I learned really early on that just was really helpful for me, especially in the early newborn years or not newborn years oh, newborn huh. weeks and months Season, of just yeah. feeling oh talk about a fog um mm-hmm. but I, two days ago yeah. two, I turned off the music and Isaac my two and a half old was like mommy why do you turn off the music I'm like I just can't I can't have any more noise <laughs> I need yeah, silence I, and I mean we've driven in the car in silence and or I should it's yes. never silent because my two and a half year old despite the fact that he is a boy, runs his mouth 24-7. I had so many friends like, oh, you'll have a boy and he won't talk to you all the time in the car. I'm like, well, you're wrong about that gender stereotype. Yeah, um, I never had a boy that didn't talk to me in the car. 
<laughs> hey, I'll take it. I'd rather have, I hope I have teenage boys that just talk my ear off. But yeah. uh, anyway, just funny because it was, it was this like, I don't want to listen to music for, I don't yeah. know, the, the foreseeable future right now. I have no desire. Yes, I totally understand that. Yeah, because there's a, there's benefit in it, but then there's something about silence that's really, it's an exhale and it, it yeah, yes. I, I have to, ha- I have to have silence too. Yeah. Yeah. Which is why going for a walk was always a good thing for me. And this is a little, a little practical thing, but I did so many walks with my kids because I think even though they were chatting about the butterflies and the bugs and the, mm. all the things, it was a, a big enough space being outside that there was a sense of quiet. There was mm. a sense of, I don't know, not silence is not the word, but anyway, it was very healthy and good for the kids and good for me too. Something about being in God's big space mm-hmm. was good for my soul. and. That's good. I should try again. I used to love running and running was a really good way for me to get stress and anger and just all those emotions (laughs) that I bury. It was a good way for me to get them out. And then once Isaac started talking, I would, you know, take him on a run in the jogging stroller, but he would just talk nonstop the whole time. And I realized it was just making me like more agitated. So I haven't, I haven't tried recently to do that. So maybe yeah, I don't know. Yeah. Maybe we'll see if both of them, if I can strap them in the jogging shoulder. Um, Romans eight twenty eight tells us it promises mm-hmm. us that God works all mm-hmm. things together for the good of those who love Him and her, who are called according to His purpose. Yes. Can you look back now? I'm sure you've had so many seasons of winter, so many seasons where you're in the fog, and different points from early marriage to now, um, really even prior to being married. Um, can you look back now and see how God's hand really was working all things together for your good, even amidst the worst times? Absolutely. Absolutely. Without question, I can look back and see that. I mean, we had a prodigal for a number of years. There were some really, really hard, hard journeys that God took us on. And without question, God was working those things for good. He was teaching me who he is. He was teaching me what he's like. And he was prying my fingers off the things that I was trying to control. And that's not fun, but it's good. Mm-hmm. It's so good. And I love Romans 8.28 because it's, it's right. He does love us. And he is always working everything for our good, even when we don't see it. And what can we do practically? Because we're so forgetful. You know, I, I mean, <laughs> I, I feel like we should all be able to cling to and remember all of those lessons we learned and how we saw how faithful God was and how he's so trustworthy. But when the next winter comes, we're laid out on the floor again. No, you know, sometimes I think we break, we take it a little better, but sometimes we don't. And I I mean, (laughs) can we, are there practical things we can do to remember better, to gird ourselves better? You know, Hannah, I'm I'm not sure there are. I do think, though, that the roots that we are sinking into Christ in this present moment, in today, um, in the circumstances God has us in today, are securing us for the next ones, the next hard times that will come. We just can't see it. Uh, we can't feel it. But I think I think there's a lot of work happening in the invisible realm that we can't see in our soul in our heart, in all that interior space that seems invisible to us. God sees it. And I think he's strengthening us in those ways. Mm. But I think just because we forget Romans 28 or we forget to give thanks in all things, uh, God isn't, he, he isn't bothered by reminding us because when he reminds us of those things that we have forgotten, I think we see them in a new way. I think we see a new facet. Mm-hmm. It, it, you know, God's word is living and it's active and it's, it's like all of his words are like jewels. And so when we remember and he reminds us or teaches us something new about his word in the next hard season, we're seeing it in a different light. We're yeah. seeing it in a different way. And so I think it's his way of growing us and deepening us. And that's really his business. Mm. I, I need to, he wants me to respond by faith. He wants me to treasure his word and treasure my relationship with him. And the more I do that, the more I'm being strengthened for the next day, mm-hmm. even if it's a great day or a hard day or the next season. And that's just not my business. 
And I think that's what's hard about it is that I want to prepare so that I can not be racked (laughs) or rocked by the next thing. But I don't think I can do that Mm. other than by trusting him that he's doing the work that he knows needs to be done in my heart and in my soul Mm -hmm. as I trust him and give thanks. I often go back to a thought my college Bible study leader, Sonia Lavelle, I talk about her more and more on the show, (laughs) Um, (laughs) but something she said that I didn't necessarily get in college. And then the longer I live, the more real it becomes to me. But realizing that for one, I automatically assume maturity and growth in my Christian life and my spiritual life looks like me being stronger, you know, Mm -hmm. taking the Mm -hmm. hardships better. It's easier Mm -hmm. to trust the Lord. Um, Because I think that my, I think if my faith is deepened, then all of those things, you know, I should look stronger. Life should be easier for me, even Mm -hmm. if the external circumstances are harder. And something she said to this room full of like 21 year olds was essentially spiritual maturity is not defined that way. It's actually defined by your ability to realize that you can do nothing without Christ. It's mm-hmm. it's defined mm-hmm. by your greater dependence on Christ. So I am the skewed, you know, I think, no, the more I've grown <laughs> spiritually, the the stronger I am, which, which really mm-hmm. means I can do it. My, I can do it alone. I can, I do, can it do it myself. myself. <laughs> and you know, her, yeah. that was n- no, like no. if you are growing deeper and deeper in your relationship with the Lord, you will only understand more and more how vast your desperate need is for him mm-hmm. just to get out of bed. That's exactly right. 100%. And I have to relearn that lesson yeah. pretty much every yeah. day. <laughs> Yeah, we do. And I, and again, I think we beat ourselves up for that, but I think God is really happy about that. And he, he delights in our seeing that one of the things I've written in my journal multiple times in the last, I don't know, five to 10 years is I just feel like I'm a baby Christian. I should know this. by now. You know what I, I mean, it was 50 years ago that I invited Christ into my life. And, and I look back and think, wow, I feel like I'm just starting. I feel like I'm just now starting to understand some things. And, you know, I can beat myself up or I can say, thank you for your grace. Mm. Thank you that you have brought me to this place. I'm grateful to be here. Mm. And I am grateful to be here. I'm grateful that I am aware of my wretchedness. I'm aware of my wickedness. I'm aware of, you know, what I've been saved from and I think as a what was I 19 I think when I received Christ I can't remember exactly you know I just wanted to get into heaven and I wanted to you know I wanted to know God and check that box but I didn't think I was wicked I didn't really even think I was a sinner I thought I was because he said so sure (laughs) but I didn't think I was really all that bad you know you know so now that I recognize that that is true about me it's very true about me Um, it's true about all of us. And so that, I think that's why I feel like I'm just now at the starting position <laughs> because I finally recognize what he says is true. And well, yeah, you're right. It is true about me. Wow. So anyway, yeah, I, she, your, your Bible study leader was exactly right. Well, I love it and keep, I mean, keep saying it because it's so humbling for me to hear you say that. And such, um, again, it's amazing perspective. Like, my, like listening to my sister-in-law who's 13 years ahead of me realizing, oh, she's still grappling with that. I'm grappling with now and hearing you who are, you're so much farther along in your spiritual journey than I am and going, okay, okay. If, you know, I, I think you and Dennis and my parents, and I have so many incredible, um, spiritual giants examples of what it looks like to be a godly man, a godly woman, a godly marriage. I have more than most people I mean, most people would never dream of the amount of examples that I I have in my life. And um, it's also really easy to think that y'all just all have it all together by now. (laughs) Well, and I used to think that too, Hannah, that's not unique to you. I I think when I was a student and, you know, these, these people that I so looked up to were, who were only four years older than me or five, Mm Uh, you know, who were leading us in Bible study. And I thought, oh, to be like them someday. Well, they were just babies too. That's right. And, That's right. Um, 
you know, it's, it's just, it's amazing what a few years of perspective will do for you. What final word of encouragement would you, would you share with the person who's listening right now that just really resonates with your story? They are in a fog. They are really grappling with Lord, who am I now? And what do you want from me? What do you want for me? It just feels like they're in a season of winter. Well, I would say, first of all, and foremost, don't, don't quit believing God. Don't walk away from him and try to solve it on your own. Don't assume that another way is a better way, because really the only way is to follow Christ. Um, Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life, and there is no other. So that's my first encouragement. Don't, don't walk away from the faith. Hang on tight, no matter what, um, as you say in your podcast, no matter what, hang on. And then secondly, I would say, if you're not a journaler, write, write what you're thinking, write what you're feeling. And if that doesn't feel comfortable, get out the Psalms and read through the Psalms every day, read at least one. There were days when I read three or four because I just was so desperate um, to feel connected to God. And so read the Psalms day after day after day and hear the voice of God, hear his love message to you and trust him because he will guide you. Even if you don't see him ahead of you, he has promised to never leave us and to never forsake us. And he will, he will guide you into the next step. And you can be sure of that. Even if you aren't sure that the next step he leads you in is the one you want, (laughs) (laughs) because sometimes that's true, but he will. Would you read one of your prayers from my heart ever his? I would love to. And, you know, we were talking a little bit earlier about being disappointed with God. So I think I'll read that one. Does that sound okay to you? Well, this is one that I wrote one day when something happened completely unexpected. And I got the news probably by email or something. And I just went, oh my gosh, I cannot believe this is happening. I was so hurt and disappointed and I just felt desperate. And so I literally got out my journal and I started writing. And this prayer that I wrote to God is about how I felt that day. And it's called Disappointing with God. I feel as if you don't see what's happening, that perhaps you don't care that we are experiencing this. I know differently. I know the truth. I still believe. I embrace the truth. But right now, I can't feel any assurance of your presence with me at this moment. I felt this kind of disappointment before. This is not the first time. So I should have some kind of a backup, some verse that worked before. But I feel just as bewildered as every other time. I'm really trying to live for you, God. I'm working hard to make a difference in people's lives. I'm not wasting my life with things that you list in your word as bad. Living for you feels really hard today. It's hard work. It's full of plagues of all kind. People disappoint and fail. Ideas that seem like good ones, that even seem blessed by you, sometimes fall flat. Nothing seems easy to me in the Christian life right now. Nothing. Not surrender, not faith, not prayer, not peace, or your promised rest. So what am I missing, Lord? Show me what you want me to see and to learn and to know. And then I remembered God's word and I wrote, your word tells me that whoever believes in him will not be disappointed. That's in Romans 5. I see now that I am believing what is false about you. I am thinking that you should reward me. I'm disappointed because I did not hope in you alone. You never disappoint, but life in this broken world often does. I spent my life serving my husband and my kids. Now I thought it's my time to make a difference in the larger world. But it's not working, not like I expected. This setback feels like a slammed door, a season-ending injury. I don't want to just survive. I want to thrive. Many people who don't love you seem to be thriving, making tons of money, reaching lots of people with their ideas. Some of these ideas even seem temporal to me. My vision is to make your name known, and today it seems wrecked. Oh, Lord God, what do I do? What do you want? What is your plan? I just wish you'd return so I could be done with all the trials. Deliver me and make your way clear. Guide me today, no matter what tomorrow may bring. Amen.
Yeah. And if you'll notice, I went back and forth reading it again. I'm realizing, wow, that was like a ping pong ball. I just kind of went back and forth from how I feel to what I knew was true and then back to how I feel and then what is true. And I think that's what the Psalms do. Yes. I think David ping ponged a lot. It's so real. My dad always says you can't fact away a feeling. You know, our feelings, (laughs) our feelings are feelings. It doesn't mean they're not good. They're not bad. They're, they're they're neutral that God gave them to us. They're part of his, you know, perfect plan for us. They're our feelings. Um, yeah. We can't yeah. fact them away. So I think, I think it is, it's, it's being honest about what our feelings are, especially with the Lord and then mm-hmm. coupling it with the facts, with the truth. You know? mm-hmm. um, but I think that ping pong is real. Wow. Y'all my yeah. heart ever his, you can get it anywhere that books are sold. I can't encourage you enough. First of all, it's just beautiful. It is, I mean, it really could be a coffee table book, but you shouldn't let it be a coffee table book that never gets opened and read. I have yeah. used it. Um, I kind of always, I rotate through prayer resources as part of my daily time with the Lord. And this is one of them that I use and I will, I will go through and just read one prayer uh, each morning when I'm going through it. And I have loved it. Barbara, thank you so well, much you. for coming on. No thank matter you, what. Hannah. It's been a delight and I've been looking forward to this for months and I'm proud of you for doing it. And I think you're doing a great job. Thank you. So grateful. You're doing you. a really great job. Thank you. Before you go, I want to remind you about my book, The College Girl Survival Guide. If you have a college girl in your life that you want to encourage and love on, grab a copy of this book and send it to her with a handwritten note. I wrote The College Girl Survival Guide from my 10 plus years of mentoring and guiding over thousands of college women as I helped them navigate the transition from high school through college and beyond. This book is a culmination of all of those conversations and relationships, emails, and heart to hearts, and it contains the answers to the top 52 concerns of college women today. It's real, it's biblically based, and it's designed to help college women not only make the most of their college experience, but create habits that will propel them into their 20s and beyond. You can find the College Girl Survival Guide anywhere books are sold online, or if you'd like a personalized copy that's signed by me and includes an art print that she can hang in her dorm room or apartment, you can buy it at hannahseymour.com.